0: I'm Lloyd Freeman, and this is Dimensions of Diversity. Historically Black Colleges and Universities, a cultural institution. Today, the nation's 106 HBCUs make up just 3% of America's colleges and universities, but the credits are astounding. These institutions produce almost 20% of all African-American graduates and 25% of African-American graduates in the STEM fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, the critical industries of the future. Now I may be biased because of course I attended an HBCU, but it was absolutely the best decision of my life. And I made some great friends there. And so I've invited a few of them to come and chat with me today about the relevance of historically black colleges and universities. Please welcome Latanya Clark, Patrice Clark, and Tamara Berry, all graduates of Howard University. Welcome ladies.
1: Hi Lloyd. Thank you.
0: I'm so happy to have you all on the show. Uh, And I think that we're going to have a a very powerful conversation, Uh, one that is um, sadly needed uh, because we do feel the need to always kind of revisit this issue of the the relevance of our Historically Black Colleges and Universities. But let me kind of start from the beginning. Uh, Latanya, I'm going to start with you. Let us know why you decided to attend a Historically Black College.
2: You know, Lloyd, I didn't have any other view on college other than HBCU. Hmm. I applied to only HBCUs, Howard, Spelman, FAMU, Clark Atlanta. Um, I just inherently knew that an HBCU is where I would go for my higher education. Um, I knew I would go away from my hometown. And I think, you know, my parents were, Totally open and of course encouraged um, for us to spread our wings. Also, you know, I think it was also helpful that they were graduates of HBCUs. Uh-huh. And my grandparents were graduates of HBC, HBCUs and just, you know, family went to HBCU. So it was, I didn't think of anything differently. Mm. And
0: Patrice, that legacy piece is very important, right? Um, Continuing on with the family legacy to attend, whether it is the exact same HBCU or an HBCU generally. And I'm assuming that played into your decision to attend Howard as well.
3: Right. Thank you, Lloyd. Um, Definitely the legacy piece was important to me when choosing an HBCU. In full disclosure, Latanya is my sister, so a lot of the things that she just said about our family uh, would pertain to me as well. Uh, pretty much everyone in our family went to HBCUs. So when I was making the, the decision to go to college, I actually only applied to Howard, which is in this day and age unheard of—only applying to one school. <laughs> but that you were was confident. Awesome. Yes, I was confident. That was also before the common application where you could submit, click one button and submit your application to 100 schools. Um, But I did apply early. I applied early decision and I got in early. So fortunately, if it didn't work out, I still had time to apply to other schools. But that was very important to me.
0: Now, Tamara, is the same true for you? I mean, was were HBCUs that embedded within your family and you were just continuing the legacy of uh, attending HBCUs?
1: Um, my mother went to Tennessee State University. So um, there certainly was a legacy in that respect. But being from Nashville, Tennessee, I knew that I didn't want to go to TSU because I wanted to get away from home. and um, I wouldn't say that, although my mother did go to TSU, I wouldn't say that my experience was such that I was only looking at HBCUs. Um, I was looking at Washington, DC. And so I thought I was going to go to Georgetown, but since we were going to DC for a college trip, my dad uh, took me up there. Um, I looked at all of the schools, and I feel like Howard chose me. I stepped on the campus and I thought I was a cast member in a different world. Um, it was an experience <laughs> that I truly, I, like, I just didn't want the tour to end. And truly my tour was probably about three hours. The people who started the tour with me did not finish the tour with me, but I had a great tour guide and I was just in love. And that is how um, I chose, or like I said, Howard chose me.
0: But tell us a bit more about that culture, you know, walking on the yard at Howard University. What does that sound like? What does that feel like? How did how did it choose you? I'm going to start with you, Tamara, and then I can let the Clark sisters chime in.
1: Well, you know, I think a lot of the things that we think about when we think about the yard um, and that experience and just like the feeling that you get walking on the yard um, were not even present during my tour. I toured at the beginning of December. So when I say Howard chose me, it truly was just kind of talking to the tour guide, seeing and walking around the campus. There weren't that many students on campus because I think they had just finished exams, Um, but it just felt like a place that I belonged. Um, The things that were shared as far as the way that the school operated, the way that students um, were engaged and involved, um, it just felt really exciting to me. And I think it probably is worth noting that it was completely different from my uh, high school middle school and elementary school experiences where I was very much a minority. Um, and just to think about being in an environment with so many um, African-American students that were from all over the world, not just all over the country, but all over the world, uh, really was appealing to me.
0: Yes. Latanya, what was the culture like when you first stepped foot on Howard University?
2: So I think I came to Howard, I visited twice, once through like a college tour group from my high school. And then once, um, maybe at a different time. Oh, after I actually had gotten accepted, we came to like the accepted students' weekend. Um, But same as Tamara. I mean, you just, I just walked into the campus and you just know that that is a place for you. Um, I have been on college campuses before, you know, a lot of people even to this day, have never stepped onto a college campus until they are going to college. Um, So I knew what a college campus would feel like with, you know, dorms and cafeteria and library, but it was just something about the Howard experience that I was able to walk in on. And I actually never felt, obviously Howard is in Washington, D.C., but Mm -hmm. I never felt like I was, I felt like I was in a, a mini- community in a mini city within Washington, D.C. So the Howard community becomes your own city. Um, so I know that's a lot of concern. You know, I actually had thought about stopped and paused like, oh, it's in, you know, Washington, D.C., a large city, but never felt like I was unsafe or it was just a such sprawling experience. I, I really felt like Walking onto the campus, both of those times before I actually walked back on as an undergraduate student in freshman orientation, that I would be physically safe, emotionally safe, and it would be a new season and experience in my life.
0: It's amazing that you say that because, you know, relative to some of the predominantly white institutions, HBCUs are smaller. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so you're talking about a smaller community, you're talking about smaller landmass, yet you still felt like, you know, you had everything you needed within that Howard University campus. Uh, And one of those things, Patrice, that I want you to touch on is the network, because Tamara even talked about, of course, being uh, existing in this space with all of these successful African Americans. Uh, people who you know are going to be even more successful as life progresses. Talk to us about the network that one can gain from attending an HBCU.
3: I think the network that can be, um, that's automatically gained from attending an HBCU is just out of this world. And as you know, and some of the listeners will now know, I also went to Howard for law school. So I'll speak specifically about the law school experience and the alumni connections um, related to the law school, which are just phenomenal. I mean, I am still in in contact with my law school classmates, alumni, the staff there. Everyone's connected. Um, When I was in law school, I, summered at a big law firm in DC and, um, and then eventually went on to work for that law firm when I first started my legal career, but there was another, um, African-American summer associate in my summer class. She went to a, a, a good law school. I don't think it was a top 10, um, but a good law school. And she asked me, um, you know oh you go to Howard like how did you get this job and my response was well then <laughs> there were actually two Howard alums at the firm I said they came to Howard Law to interview like OCI on campus interviews like everyone else and she said oh you mean some um, some attorneys from the firm came to Howard to interview and it was like it was that concept was so foreign to her. And to me, I was like, yes, like there are all the big law firms come to Howard to to recruit. And that particular firm was one of them. And she was just like, oh, they didn't come to my school. She said, I had to go seek them out. I had to submit my application directly to their online portal or whatever the case was at that time. And she was just amazed that, you know, this law firm would come to Howard. And that just speaks to the fact that uh, when employers want great minority candidates, they go to Howard. And also the alumni connections at Howard will also make sure that those law firms are going to Howard. So it's, yes. it's, it's both ways. Like, you know, you have the name recognition and you also have the alums that are in these firms and businesses that definitely recruit and they want to give back. So That's just one example of how the alumni network really does come through for students and alums.
0: One example, but a powerful one at that, because even though you gave it a positive spin, I mean, the the statement, how did you get here? I mean, inherent in that is microaggression, right? And it stems from the bias or maybe even the stigma that's associated with attending this black school which of course is now looked at as less than you know one of the predominantly white institutions and so how then did you get here with your black college education uh so Tamara Latanya, now that you're in corporate america have you ever had to defend uh your black college degree
1: you know um i wouldn't say that i've had to defend it because i don't think that it's in a position where um people have directly made statements that would indicate that it was l- less than. I think microaggressions can be very real, um, but I feel very proud of my, um, the fact that I went to Howard um, and it's been a crit- uh, just a critical point in my life. I mean, I met my husband at Howard. I made, made tons of friends at Howard. Um, my network personally, you know, while professionally I've benefited from the Howard network personally, it's almost all Howard folk. I mean, not by intention, but it's just, you know, by nature, when you move to a new city, you know, you get connected with people, whether it's, you know, sorority stuff, whatnot, you know, it's truly um, been something that I've grown and appreciated how it's kept me connected and helped me to um, both connect with others and in the um, broader community. And in my Um, social network. Uh, To your point about defensive, needing to defend it, no, I I haven't felt the need to do that, Um, and maybe it's because people aren't so bold as to come for what I think is a great institution, even though they may have those feelings um, privately.
2: When I reflect back, it seemed to be a point of conversation reflection at the beginning of my career when I graduated from Howard undergrad. So my first job coming out of undergrad, which was a leadership development program. And so inherently, people are asking, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? Um, and people pause when you're like, oh, you went to Howard. I was like, yes, yeah, so I went to Howard University. And um, I had never felt the need to defend. It was more of a statement versus, OK, we're going to do these down this bunny trail of follow-up on what's Howard and where it is and then the second reflection point was actually when I graduated from grad school same thing coming out of grad school and even when I did my summer internship which I did it in New York um at a large bank that I won't say its name but a very large bank in New York City um same thing right and so because again MBA students summering in New York you know, feel you can paint the picture. Um, Those students also came from very, you know, very elite, um, Ivy League schools. So it was like this pause of, well, how did you get into this circle? Well, I got into the same circle as you got into the same circle. I interviewed, I met, met and exceeded all of the qualifications. And I'm here as a summer intern at insert large banks name in New York city. So, um, So those have been my only experiences where I can distinctly having to um, defend. And then obviously then as you move into your career, um, I think the talking point becomes less about where you went to school. And then of course, it's more about what your talents, capabilities um, and and, um, expertise is. Um, But I have absolutely no problem uh, also stating that I went to Howard University and it, talking to people about my experience, which has been very, very positive.
0: Now, I'm making an assumption here, but um, I'm gonna move back to Patrice because I didn't even ask you, you know, whether that individual who was inquiring as to how you got here, whether that was also a person of color or or not, but I can assume then that these conversations are being had with not only uh, people who, are non-black, uh, but also maybe even within the black community for those individuals who were not so fortunate to attend uh, a historically black college. Uh, have you had that experience as well, Patrice?
3: Um, well, that particular person was black. And now that I'm reflecting on it, I, I think that she was coming from more a neutral standpoint um, because not, I didn't take it as she thought that Howard was less than, but that it was an Ivy League. So, you know, it wasn't a Harvard or a Yale or Columbia, you know, because she went to a, a good law school. So I think it was coming from that perspective. But as we know, we like to call Howard the Black Ivy League. So for us, I mean, we're right up there with the Harvards and the Yales and Columbia's. Um, And I'm sorry, what was the, the next follow up question you asked?
0: No, that was it. I mean, it was exactly that just uh, having to have that conversation with not only some of your non black peers, but as well, with some of your black peers, Uh, I wanted to kind of circle back to the the legacy uh, portion that we were discussing earlier and kind of talk about the next generation, uh, because I know that we're talking about uh, Tamra meeting her husband at Howard. And so we've got two HBCU degrees in a household. Is it kind of a foregone conclusion that the kids must go to Howard? Is that what you're already kind of uh, uh, pushing down uh, their throats, uh, Tamra? Well, um, in a word, yes. (laughs) So I'm oh, listening at my house too, but I just wanted to ask so you the question. I'd
1: like to be, to think that if, you know, as my children who are, for the record, almost three and almost one, <laughs> but I'd like to think, you know, as they um, get older and come into their own, you know, God forbid if, if something else would be best for them, that we would be able to uh, separate and support <laughs> whatever is best for them. Um, At this point in time, we are in indoctrination mode. (laughs) And so um, Zora can say, you know, she even knows how to announce her own graduation, um, like what they'll say at graduation. So uh, like (laughs) my husband has got her saying, you know, Zora Berry, um, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, BBA marketing. (laughs) Yeah, she's (laughs) going to Howard. (laughs) Howard University. So, uh, you know you're down that rabbit hole for now uh, for sure.
0: (laughs) Right. But I mean, I I do see how, you know, Tamara was trying to paint it as this very egalitarian process, Patrice, where if there was a a place that was better suited for them, are you, are you playing those games at all? Or is it, no, it's Howard or nothing.
3: I'm not quite like the Berry family. Um, (laughs) I think I'm I'm mostly, I I want you to go with where is best for you and what school can best nurture your talents and what you want to do. Um, I would prefer an HBCU. And, you know, initially, you know, when my son was born, we lived in in D.C. And so I was pushing him towards some other HBCUs because I wanted him to to leave the city he grew, grew up in to experience a college in another city. But now yeah. that we don't live in DC, absolutely. Howard is definitely at the top of the list. Um, so with that said, he's got two options. Go where he, <laughs> 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 he, can. ultimately he can go where he wants to go, but my dollars,
2: <laughs> That's <are it>.
3: going, <laughs> my dollars are only going to a few schools.
2: And Howard is dollars. <laughs> you know, The cost of college today, I mean, it is so expensive. And I was looking at, I still had like my last bill from Howard for some reason, I have a copy of it. And my last semester at Howard, the tuition was like $3,800. Undergrad, Undergrad. Undergrad. And this was, so this was the spring of 2001. Now, obviously. Right, that was 20 plus years ago, but I'm just making the point. Um, and I think we all in this group had talked about the email that was sent out, I think last year from the university when people were just so irate because their um, their children didn't get into Howard, and the president said, "Look, like the the goalpost has changed, and many of you will probably not get into Howard um, today." And so I look at what the cost is and. And, you know, Tamara and Patrice said it so right, you know, you got to know where your children are, what their desires are. And so for the people who are pushing their children who either won't be able to sustain the academic rigor and then what the cost is, you know, does that even make sense for your child to then go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt? right? And then we're back still in the same cycle of not having generational wealth and opportunities within Black families and Black communities. So that I know that goes off <laughs> on a whole different tangent, but we love Howard. We all benefited from Howard. We want other people to benefit from Howard, but we also want people to attend Howard where it's going to be a good like you're going to pour into it. And you have to also, this is expensive. So you really need to be able to take full advantage of your, of a Howard experience. So if you are not taking full advantage of a Howard experience, and then you're going into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense.
0: (laughs) Very well put. Very well put. Now, I know that we spend a, t- a lot of time, and of course, it's because that's that's where we attended and talking about Howard, but the relevance of historically Black colleges generally. Uh, and so again, you know, even Latanya framing it by way of, you know, what the cost used to be and what the cost is now, even the popularity, um, you know, Tamara referenced a different world. And so you can kind of see the spikes in, you know, the interest that uh, some young Black kids had in attending an HBCU when that show was on the air, and certainly in the era of Kamala Harris, you know, you've got another spike in popularity for historically black colleges, but in, in talking about today's generation, I'm gonna start this conversation with you, Tamara. Are HBCUs still relevant? And, and what is it that is that major life lesson that one can glean from attending an institution like this?
1: Absolutely, Lloyd think that HBCUs are still relevant. If not, I would say, even more relevant maybe than they have been in more, you know, recent years. And I'll say maybe around the time that I was considering college um, in the early 2000s, because, you know, as we think about the social turmoil that the United States has been in, in the recent years, not, you know, preceding the pandemic, during the pandemic, George Floyd, you name it. I mean, there've been a number of instances. I think that being in an environment where you are not the minority um, there's just so much that can be said for not being the minority when in, in, in the world, you will most often be in the minority. And, and I'm not sure if I've said that really clearly, but there's just a, a feeling that I had never experienced before going to Howard. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was in an extreme minority um, when I was in high school, uh, and, and in the communities that I was living in and going to school. And being at Howard just gives you a comfort, um, and a and it's eye-opening in a way to see the diversity that exists within the African American race alone. Um, so to think that you know people stereotype and think about well, black people, you know, and and you want to make blanket statements, there's so much diversity within our race and being able to experience that in an educational environment is, it's just amazing. And I think about, you know, the folks who might be asking questions about, oh, you went to Howard, you know, implying how did you get here, the the microaggressions. You don't feel those things by and large when you are at Howard. And I think it allows you to grow um, and develop confidence Be sure of yourself in ways that allow you to show up in the big roles that we have today um, with confidence and that prepare you um, to be in the room where you might be the minority, but you know you belong there. Um, And you're not questioning like how you're showing up or knowing, well, do I belong here? Should I be here? Do they think I belong here? Because I don't need to prove to you, Howard. I prove to you Tamara, by the sheer fact of how I show up in this room, by the sheer fact that they've deemed me appropriate uh, to be the person that's sitting at this table. And it's hard to put a finger on it specifically, but ultimately my Howard experience is a very large part of how I show up and why I have that feeling today. Uh, And I don't think you can separate the two and I think you discount, um, that opportunity and that experience when you do
0: very well said patrice what are your thoughts on the relevance of hbcus today
3: well it's hard to piggyback off of what tamra just said (laughs) Um, she said it so well i think that you know when you go to college you're 18 years old You know, there are some students who know what they want to do, but the majority really don't. You know, at 18 years old, you're still a child. You're still trying to figure out yourself, this world. And where else can you go for four years, maybe five if you take a victory lap, (laughs) to just really be amongst your peers? And I know, like, on social media sometimes um, you see... uh, you know, people talking about how their majority schools, like, oh, it was just like going to a HBCU because I hung around all black people. But my, the difference of a HBCU is that where else can you go where the administrators are black? The president Black, not just just the help, not just the janitors and the people who clean your room. Those people are Black too, and those people are are all still rooting for you at HBCUs. For the cafeteria workers, the landscapers, the professors, your RA, um, all of those people who look like you are rooting for you to succeed, and where can you get that foundation at such a critical time in your life? You can only get that at an HBCU. So yes, it's absolutely still relevant.
0: Very well put. But Latanya, let's talk about the future. Of our historically black colleges and universities, and the sustainability of these institutions, uh, there has often, of course, been people who have opined on whether or not, you know, irrespective of whether they're still relevant, uh, whether we're going to still have them around, uh, even as options, uh, you know, for when Tamara's small children, my small children, are eligible to to attend college. Uh, what are your thoughts on sustainability of these institutions?
2: I absolutely believe that HBCUs are sustainable. Not only are they going to survive, but they're going to thrive um, even in, you know, in future generations. I do believe, you know, unfortunately, I do believe some of our smaller um, HBCUs will either consolidate. I mean, we've seen that over, you know, the last 30, 40 years, just very small institutions and they those institutions, even though they were small, they served a purpose. You know, they served a community. Um, a lot of them were, um, you know, affiliated with um, with uh, religious and church affiliations, like Methodist churches, Baptist churches, who started their own institutions um, for higher education. So there's a lot of merit in that, and we should um, celebrate those institutions. Um, But I I think just in general, over the full landscape of you look at all 107 um, HBCUs that are still out here, we will absolutely um, sustain. And I think there's even more awareness of definitely since I've graduated from college um, of the importance of providing your time, talent and resources to your institution. And so a lot of people think, well, I don't have maybe the financial means, but you can give your time, you can give your treasure. I mean, there's so many things that you can give back to um, and it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. So if we collectively continue to band together um, as alumni, as we support our children moving into um, HBCUs and then matriculating in college and then preparing them for what that post-college life is like as alumni, it, we will continue on for generations to come.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm so happy we were able to have this conversation today to really shine a light on our historically black colleges and to really celebrate them. Uh, I can tell you that coming from Kansas, uh, maybe very similar to, to Tamara. Uh, certainly understanding the different dimensions of blackness was something that I got uh, simply from attending Howard University. And so uh, we do have a saying at Howard, Uh, We have a song, actually, which goes, I am so glad. Uh, And I can tell you that I am still so glad all these many years later that I went to Howard U. Uh, LaTanya, Patrice, Tamara, thank you so much for sharing your insights, for sharing your stories. Uh, And I can certainly hope that we are very much so encouraging individuals to continue to support and celebrate our HBCUs. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Lloyd. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Lloyd.